You know what I was thinking uh, might be funny is what if like my intro from the first podcast is just me pretending I'm like an employee at Disney World and I'm walking into a room and I'm just like a, a microphone and an audience. Where did you guys come from? No, but that's that's not the way we do things here. Yo, 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 yo. What is up, people? It is your man LD. For once, I'm not back again. I'm here for the very first time. Welcome to my official podcast, the official podcast of, of RideWithLD.com, of the Old Disciples, the lowdown of LD. In the industry, we uh, pause for applause. That's what that was. You're not supposed to speak over when people are clapping for you. A little old sitcom tip there for you. But, you know, first, let me, let me start with who I am. Because some of you people, you might, be, you might be listening to LD, you might be interacting with old LD for the very first time. My name is LLDD. I am a unintended character. I'm a guy who drives with his knees, and I'm just a, a personality who's found his way onto the internet. And, uh, you know, that's, that's an important word that I use, term, I guess, to describe myself pretty often online is unintended character. You know, what does that mean? What that means, at least to me, LD, and frankly, that's all that matters, is that I am, you know, a bit of a weirdo, a bit of an oddity, a bit of an unusual character, but it's all natural. You know, LD is not putting on any airs for you people. He's not trying to be goofy. He's not trying to be the strange, you know, uh, uh, the, the strange species that I am. It's just, it's just what I do. You know And I mean? I've been, I've been driving with my knees my whole life. You know, I didn't hop onto the internet and come sprinting to you guys right away as soon as I did it. No, I spent years doing it in private. I spent years doing it just to my friends as they clutched onto their chairs in faux fear, even though LD's never even gone off the road a little bit before. So I just decided, you know, one day, why, why am I just doing these bits and all these dedicated acts? And why am I putting so much energy, so much effort into entertaining such a small quantity of people? And, you know, one day the internet was born and, and LD had a big idea, and that was to bring his act, to bring his, his brand of humor and entertainment to the masses, to the people who needed me the most. And that's what brought me here today to you guys. You know, what qualifies me to be having my own podcast? It's this. Since LD was like nine years old, he hasn't been sleeping at night. All LD does is he sits up at night. He thinks of things to say to people. Not because he wants to. This isn't a choice by LD. This is just who he is. This is just my natural brain chemistry. I wish I could change it, but I can't. You know, sometimes you're up at four in the morning and you're just reading the, the Wikipedia for Wendy's. Like, who, who the fuck does that? You know what I mean? Everybody loves Wendy's, but, but everybody loves Wikipedia. But I, I just want to know the history of, of how that to their current menu format. You know, th these are the things that interest me. I have a hell of a story about the, the North Korean dictator prior to the current one. I, I'm not sure. I think that's Kim Jong, Kim Jong Kim, maybe? I don't know. But, but these are the sorts of things that you just get when you're up all night on the internet. That, that's a story for another day. But why? Why a podcast? Why now? You know, this past week, LD uncovered a, a little bit of a little bit of uh, statistics about LD, and that's that on my website, ridewithld.com, patent pending, LD has hit seventy-five thousand words published since May. LD loves tooting his own horn, but I don't even think I need to toot my horn on that one. I think that's impressive to you people. Your jaws maybe touched the floor when I first said that. And you know, but but here's the thing about about blogging, about about writing. People hate to read. Reading stinks. You know, they used to make you read in school because you weren't going to just do it on your own. 
So LD decided that he needed to come up with, with you know, a, a couple different mediums. You know, he needed a new vertical, a new way to, to access the El Disciples, to spread his brand of love and positivity and truth to the world. What better way than a podcast? LD is a very, very long-winded man. LD could talk forever. Quite frankly, LD's a few minutes into this opening monologue, and, and he's laughing. He's scoffing at the people that told him how hard it would be for one person to sit in front of a microphone and just talk. This has been easy. This is nothing. This is like, you know how, how deer are just born walking around, and people always talk about that? Oh, deer, they're just born and they can stand. Babies can't do that. LD was born talking, baby. This is natural for him. You know, why do balloons float? I don't know. Why does LD talk? It's what he does. It's what he was made for. You know, and, and, and LD just realized that, that, you know, in today's very busy, active world that we live in, you know, podcasts are big for a reason. It's because everyone's traveling places and, and everyone has headphones and they're dying to be listening to things. So, you know, LD just thought this was a, a medium that really is built for LD, that's well designed for my brand and for my strengths. So I may as well give it a go, you know? Going back to that, that unintended character talk, I'm not doing this for the glory, for the fame. I'm doing it because this is what I do either way. So, you know, I, if I'm going to have fun, I may as well have fun with a microphone in front of my mouth. I, I do promise to never transition purely to, to, to podcasting because my blogs, I got so much to say, you know what I mean? I can't keep it all into one spot. And now we're going to the what. What will these podcasts be? What is the lowdown with LD, besides a fantastic name and branding opportunity. Well, the lowdown's LD's virtual audio area to just kick it, baby. We're hanging out. We're, we're hanging loose, keeping that cowabunga attitude going virtually through the airwaves, you know? Uh, the, the, the lowdown isn't going to be necessarily a weekly podcast, a twice-a-week podcast, anything like that. The lowdown is going to exist for when LD needs it. You know what I mean? Sometimes you got to loosen the old collar, take off the tie, and have a drink. And that's when the lowdown is going to be there for LD. It just so happens that I have a good topic for today. I have a good topic for next week. So, you know, right now we're going to start a little active, a little busy. The lowdown is going to feature guests. And by guests, I primarily mean friends of mine, no one that, that you know or should get all that excited about. But granted, if LD finds them worthy enough to be on his podcast, then that's good enough for you people. Sometimes, though, LD, LD's got a couple cards up his sleeve. Let me tell you that. He's got a couple guests planned out in the old noggin. You can't see it right now, but I'm tapping my forehead very aggressively. Maybe you're picking it up on the mic. Listen to that thinking right there. LD, LD's got a couple tricks of the trade that he's going to pull out of his sleeves, and, and you're all going to be done. But, you know, enough about the guests. This is LD's podcast. You know, what is this really about besides LD? And, that, and that's really what the, what the kind of content you're going to see here. So what, what does LD got to talk about? You know, LD, first and foremost, is a ranter. LD wouldn't be talking to you right now if it wasn't for the fact that his rants used to garner much attention to the, to the, the people of his high school, to his middle school growing up. That's when LD knew he was different. Maybe, maybe special. Who's to say? Not him. That's for you to judge. But LD knew he was a natural storyteller. So we had to take that, that crazy brain of his that's up all night thinking of things, and, and he had to start telling stories to people, you know? Sometimes this podcast will be rants. Sometimes it'll be things that happened that week. It'll be a little bit of the news. Sometimes it's going to be sports. You know, it's going to be it's gonna be movies and TV. But it's all going to be pretty well-structured, you know? LD's not writing a script for himself. But, but at the same time, LD's not some schmuck walking up to a microphone like, oh, what am I going to talk about now? I don't know. And that takes us to today's topic. 
What uh, made LD uh, break out the microphone right now is that this Friday on Amazon, a little TV show called The Boys will be dropping their second season. And, you know, LD's a man who can break down TV, can break down movies. So we wanted to record a podcast in a timely manner for this big release. Might trend on Twitter, who knows. And uh, with him today, he's brought with him his college room, somebody well-equipped to both talk about movies and TV shows and deal with my verbal diarrhea. And that is his friend, Noah. Noah, how are you? That's right. Hey, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, like I said, talking in front of a microphone is a lot easier than people think. They thought yeah, this was going to be know, tough. I, I wanted to say, like, as your friend who went to college with you, lived with you in college, I can attest to your many many oddities uh it's not an act you are a very strange guy and uh our our dynamic is less you know i'm not going to be like the siskel to your ebert you know there's there's not going to be any high tensions here i think you and i tend to agree on a lot of media so i'm um, true people yeah always bring someone with you who agrees with you it's going to make you feel a lot better about yourself i'm i'm more here to hit ld some some easy shots he can hit right back it's not Oh, that's true. That's true. This is this is like an alley oop system, people. Right. That's right. Well, it's there's no there's no combat here. Uh, actually, there might be some combat. I have some surprises saved for Noah. First of all, Noah, you told me off camera that you had a fantastic superhero nickname for yourself to deliver to the people. What was that? Let me hear it. You see, that's just not I was just true. me putting him on the spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah he, he never told exactly. me any of that. He, like, you should have seen his face. Jokingly. He would never do it to anyone for real. He would never actually gaslight someone, but he sure does like to do it jokingly all the time. I do love to jokingly gaslight my friends. That much cannot be denied. Uh, but we're, we're going to start today with uh, our spoiler-free part of the podcast, which is not going to be super long, but, you know, if you haven't seen The Boys... Uh, and, you know, you, you wanted to listen to old LD talk, then, then you know, this is the last segment, really, that's going to be designed for you if you're saving the boys for later viewing. And, and our spoiler-free segment is just, what is the boys? You know, what is the show? What is it about? And should you, the viewer, give it a chance? Should you watch? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you, you and I watched this when it first came out, I remember, last year, and we gave it a rewatch uh, now to prep for season two. And, uh, yeah, I'd say we got a pretty good grasp on what happened. So, so again, um, you know, th this is going to be just kind of a, a, a easy, loose kind of summary of the show and what it is. And, and what The Boys is, is it is a superhero property, first and foremost. Um, it, it's R-rated as well. It is based on a graphic novel. Uh, the Boys is one of these, these situations that's kind of taking advantage of the superhero boom we have in real life entertainment. Uh, because its biggest marketing ploy is superheroes, but in real life. Which is always funny to me because aren't these other like Spider Man's in New York? Is that not real life? You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like, I, I I think Marvel does the same thing. This show is just taking a much more narcissistic take on like you know, let's say a Marvel or DC universe. Of course, the the I, the real gist behind the boys with it being superheroes in real life is that in real life. A lot of celebrities are assholes, you know, and that wouldn't, that wouldn't certainly stop at superheroes. So that's sort of the big magnifying glass that the boys is, is trying to put up to the medium is what if superheroes were mean? And we don't even mean mean like evil, just like, you know, what if they were like, uh, I don't know, Kendall Jenner, you know, where they just, they're about their brand and, and they're about looking good to people, but behind closed doors, ooh. They might be they might be a little rude, a little catty, if you will. And even though it's sometimes obvious, people support them anyway. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's true too. They, they now, now you know. Uh, uh, before we get too ahead of ourselves, I would like to kind of put that out there: is that me and Noah are not the biggest fans of the boys. No. Uh, I, I love the. You know, I'm sorry. We watched the show. I mean, <laughs> twice. No, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we've watched the show twice. Let me make that very clear. We don't, we, you know, we, we, we're we certainly, we like it enough. It's just, you know, when you when all you do is watch things, there becomes a hierarchy, you know? That's exactly. And, uh, but but, but to, to keep going with what the boy is about, so so there's this big superhero group called The Seven that's in New York. And, you know, right. think of them as your Avengers, your Justice sort of League. A, sort of a Justice League copy and paste, really. I mean, you got the Aquaman, yeah. you got the Superman, the, you know, the Batman sort Wonder of. Wonder Woman. Yeah, yep, definitely. Um, but you know, it, it's they're they're kind of backed by this big industry called Voit Vogue Vogue Vaughn Vaughn. I I have it written down. This isn't a lack of preparation. I'm just it's like, like uh, Vaughn. There you go. I, I was about to say. I just I, I don't know how to pronounce things. You know, it, it's it's a made up word. But yeah, so Vaughn sort of like the Disney of of these superheroes. Yeah, you know, the ones pulling the strings, the one making all the decisions. But but being the Disney of the superheroes and us being the viewers, you know, a lot of times we're seeing sort of the evil corporate side. You know what I'm saying? Like like if superheroes are real, they need to make money somehow because people aren't going to just throw it to them for saving them. And and this is kind of seeing how, you know, something that might start good, you know, becomes kind of bad and becomes corrupted and all of that sort of uh, nonsense. There, your your sort of standard. It sort of takes the lens of the of the perspective of of somebody like completely on outside of it, though, right? It's a it's a super fan. Yes. Uh, he yeah. Uh, your episode get accidentally well, a member of the seven accidentally kills his girlfriend. You know, and he was mm-hmm. a super fan. He was a bit, and this kind of like crushes his world. And this and this situation uh, helps reveal that like the seven have no there. There's no consequences for killing his girlfriend. It's it's done completely without sentiment or any sincerity at all and it kind of like pulls back the curtain for this character specifically Ewing. you you know you know it's kind of funny uh to look at this show and you know we're we're, we're talking mostly uh entertainment here we're not going to get political or anything uh in this podcast but it is funny looking at this show through the lens of what's happening right now because especially the pilot begins basically with this big sort of magnifying glass over and a big expose almost on you know when you talk about taking away consequences and sort of um things that 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 force you know law enforcement or or anyone in a position of power really uh to to be held back because you're trying to give them as much freedom to do their job you know in the in the world of superheroes uh uh when you're talking about qualified immunity and all that you're also talking about people with superpowers you know suddenly the collateral damage becomes much much bigger you know, uh, uh, to, to talk about, about Huey, the main character whose girlfriend dies at the beginning of the pilot. Once again, this is all spoiler free. This is setting up the show. This is all happens within the very first scene or so. In the commercial. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of course, of course. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't covering for you or anything. I was just trying to establish that we're still talking about the very beginning of the very first episode. You know, um, after it happens, you know, there's this Flash-esque character named A-Train, this super speed a hero runs through his girlfriend by accident. She explodes. And, you know, he's devastated by this, obviously. And sort of the, the attitude he keeps running into uh, by society is like, ah, yeah, sucks. But, you know, heroes are heroes. They're trying to do something good. And if 
if someone's girlfriend gets splattered like a fly on a windshield, that's what happens sometimes. Right. You know? it's, it's interesting you brought up the, the collateral damage stakes being elevated by this element of superheroes existing. It makes, it makes a lot more sense in this world that if a superhero accidentally killed a civilian, people would just kind of be like, well, hey, that's the job, you know? It would be yeah, a big deal in this world and in their world than, let's say, like a cop shooting a person. Yeah, no, and I was going to say that, too, is obviously in our world, we, we see when somebody dies uh, uh, by collateral damage and, and, and getting wrapped up in one of these scenarios, you know, people are angry. People are upset. You know, at the very least, things are, are a 50-50 divide where half defends the cops, half are upset about it. In this show, we're not really seeing that. It's pretty much 100%. You know, besides the victims of, of uh, that, that are dying or yeah, people most, that know them, it's just like, yeah. Or it's yeah, just like, oh, yeah, there, there isn't even really any kind of discussion about like, ah, you, you know, really A-Train kind of, the, the, the hero who accidentally kills Huey's girlfriend sort of gives a press conference where he isn't even really trying to apologize. He's like, oh, shucks, stinks. And he walks away very like comedically, like, I don't really care. And everyone's just eating it up. You know what I mean? Think about early the trial, a lot of that is really well set up. Yeah, think think about early 2000s celebrity culture, how like celebrities couldn't do anything wrong in America. That's a lot of what like this is like with the heroes in this world, so where they have beyond the benefit of the doubt. You know, they have the unquestionable support of the public. Um, and, and basically that's, that's where to, to not get too into things. That's where the boys goes is Huey is this, this man who's kind of, you know, a wimp and a coward and a pussy for lack of a better term. He's, he's just this, this nobody who's kind of, you know, walking through his life. And now he's been pushed and he's been pushed really hard. Uh, his girlfriend died and no one really cares. And, and he's furious about it. And really what the boys is about is sort of, uh, what happens in a superhero society like this. When, when, when people get pushed and when there aren't any shackles or consequences to these superpowered people and they have free reign to, to kind of bring in justice however they see fit. Yep. So Huey, at, at, at a later point in the pilot, after, after he's gone through some like complete traumatic experiences with well, you know, the corporate people handling the death of his girlfriend, he has a run-in, well, is really sought out by this, by this FBI guy named Butcher who is like, clearly our our you know anti-hero of the show like right off the bat you know if we're talking mm -hmm. about the types of characters yep and and basically this guy uh is you know he's a very hyper masculine sort of action star type of dude and he you know basically tries to recruit uh uh huey and he's like you know do you do you want to do you want to keep taking stuff like this or, or do you want to get vengeance for your girlfriend you know what i mean and and yeah. that's really where the show takes off and at the same time you know and we're, we're about to we're about to get to should you watch it that sort of thing but but also at the same time there is a, a hero we're following throughout it her name is starlight uh her civilian name is annie and she is this blonde haired girl next door from iowa with big bright eyes who who you know wants to be a hero for all the right reasons she wants to save people she wants to be an inspiration to little girls and you know she was she was raised in the midwest and has a very much so a a crunchy farmland bible belt sort of vibe for a very superman-esque would you not agree noah right uh, yeah that's a perfect yeah well put and she's sort of you know our 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 protagonist from the hero side and uh and from here i want to say uh you know should you watch the show if you haven't seen it before if you're interested in this 
And um, I would say yes. Noah, would, would you agree that, that, that you'd recommend this show to somebody else? Well, I might save my recommendation for the end of this conversation because I'm curious if this conversation will, will you know, lean me one well, way or the other since, like, from before oh, uh, we started talking about it. I got you. I'm just, I'm trying to wrap up the spoiler-free section right now. So I'm going to say, this is going to be my recommendation to the people who haven't seen the show. Uh, and then we're going to really get into things. So this is what I'm going to say to people is as somebody who is, is a critic of the show, who is not the biggest fan, uh, the show is phenomenal popcorn entertainment uh, in the R-rated sphere. You know, if, if you like kind of guts and cursing and, and blood and gore and all that. Um, and if you like superheroes, especially, you know, the show does a good job of expanding that superhero, but in the real world thing. In the very first episode, you have a clip of translucent and invisible hero on Jimmy Fallon. And it's great because it's Jimmy Fallon being Jimmy Fallon, but with a superhero. So he's laughing at everything and just happy to be there. And, and you know, it, it's definitely very enjoyable. Um, but from, you know, my, my issue with the show, and we'll obviously get into that more, is just there is a ceiling on its quality. It reminds me a little bit of superhero entourage where like, like, like the TV show entourage where, where I enjoy it when I'm watching it. I'm, I'm who's a daisy, man, is this fun? But, but if you really just sit down and you think about it, I'm not even talking about from like a plot hole standpoint, I'm talking from a quality standpoint, you know, you start poking some holes and maybe the show isn't all, all you think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I, I'd say with, with a few exceptional highlights, um, there's just better TV out there right now. And there's, there's so definitely some big highlights. I agree with you on that. Yeah, definitely some big highlights, but with so much ex like incredibly good quality TV out there, you know, you, you might not want to sink your teeth too deep into this one. Maybe season two will change that. I don't know. Yep. Yep. And that's part of what we're getting to. But right now we're taking the spoiler shackles off and uh, we are going to do a full summary of season one as only we can, LD is phenomenal at summarizing things, but at the same time, he's, he's a long-winded man, as he's established, so he's got to make sure the summary does not go on too long. We just talked about the pilot. The pilot ends, obviously, with, Stu with uh, uh, Translucent, the Invisible Man, being in uh, Billy Butcher and Huey's grasp. They've got him. Episode two is just the second episode of Breaking Bad. I want to make that part very clear. I realized that upon my rewatch. The second episode, some guys... Have, have a bad guy on their hands. One of the guys are like, oh, you know, we go kill him, right? And then the other guy's like, well, I don't want to kill him, but I guess I have to. And, you know, bam, they killed Translucent. We now have a dead superhero. Yeah, the but, in the same elements of Breaking Bad too. Translucent, the, the guy captured is trying to play mind games with them. So they're like, oh, my power's actually reading people. You're not a bad guy. You're going to save me. You're not going to kill me. Oh. That line from Translucent is awful. Translucent is an invisible man with diamond-like skin. They make that part very clear. Oh, you can't, you can't even cut Translucent open. His skin's so hard. He can turn invisible and he's indestructible. Translucent says, but my real superpower is observation. No, it isn't. No, no, your real superpower is being able to turn invisible, you goddamn weirdo. Um, but but the, the, more importantly, the good guys now know about compound V. They now know that there is some, some juice, some roids are pumping them soups full of, how Billy Butcher eloquently puts it. But, you know, they, they now they, they've got a dead soup, so they got something they're worried about, and they got a lead on their hand. Episode three, they're, 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 they know the lead comes through A-Train. They know A-Train's got something to do with, with, with the, uh, the compound V that he's hooked on it. He's got this big race coming up. They know A-Train's got a girlfriend. 
They set up cameras in A-Train's girlfriend's apartment. A-Train wins the race with some Compound V. With those cameras they set up in A-Train's girlfriend, whose name is Popclaw. Great superhero name for like a B, because they, they make it very clear that Popclaw is a C, B-ranked superhero. It's a great name for like this world's like Robin. No, Noah? Cool superpower too. She's got these claws that she can rip people apart with that go yeah, she's, out. She can retract them. She's like Wolverine kind of. But anyway, she accidentally kills her landlord while sitting on his face. I know, I know that really came out of nowhere. And, and me bringing it up as such is about as subtle as the show drops that in there. Yeah, and I have a question about that. Is that part of her superpowers? Does she have like super strength where she can crush a guy's face? Because a, a, a human being could not do that to another human being. You could if they were big enough, but she wasn't. Uh, she's uh, I don't know. Okay, you know we're 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 tying we're breaking down the physics of a human being, His a human woman exploded. Yeah, <laughs> it was very gory. Yeah, the, you know, guys. Once again, The Boys is not a subtle show. Seth Rogen produces it. I love Seth Rogen, but this show oh, seems much more like. Michael Bay produced it. And I'm, um, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't want to sound like I was complaining about the the fucking real life physics of the boys. I know it's all. Noah needs his his landlords who get their heads crushed while performing coitalingus to all be. Hey, I don't know. I'm just asking. Scientifically straightforward. <laughs> but anyway, so they now have they now have blackmail on Popclaw. They know she killed somebody, so they're like, "Oh, Popclaw, tell us more about what's going on." Episode four. It's good and bad. It has some highlights and has some lowlights. They get involved with what they call the woman. It's this Asian woman, or no, the female. I'm sorry, she's the female. She's this Asian woman who, who can't speak any, anything, any words. And it's not a language barrier. She just doesn't talk. They find her in like a cage of like some restaurant. And they're like, what, what's going on with this woman? Frenchie, who's now a member of the crew, who stinks. We're going to get to the crew soon enough, but Frenchie's all like, oh, mademoiselle, uh, mademoiselle, I love this woman. I'm going to take some more drugs now and talk about the woman some more. So, so they're trying to figure out what's going on with this woman. Meanwhile, there's a tragedy on flight 37, and boy, oh boy, folks, is this not the highlight of the entire show? Yeah, We're going to get into that heavy during the, the things we like portion, but, but there is a plane jacking and, and Queen Maeve and Homelander get sent out to take care of it. Episode five, we have the Believe Expo. It's this big con- conservative religious Comic-Con warp tour experience, you know? And, and Huey's there and the boys are there and they're trying to get to the bottom of things. And and we have our our Starlight is is in charge of of giving a big speech, and you know Starlight, she's really starting to realize that this superhero business it's not what it's all cracked up to be. That's right. Then episode six, things hit the fan. The boys find out the truth about about Compound V. They find out exactly what it does. That that all the superheroes are manufactured. Voitspin sending out these vaccines, this compound V to hospitals around the world who's been injecting babies with it. These babies then get superpowers and they think they just, they just got them. They were born with them. So the entire superhero society that exists in this show is propped up by a corporation. It is all fake. There is no such thing as real superheroes. Then we find out something big about Billy Butcher. 
the man who's gotten Huey involved in all this, the man leading the charge against the soups, that's that Billy Butcher's wife was raped by Homelander and has now been missing for eight years and the world presumes her to be dead, but oh, Billy Butcher is too smart. He knows that that, that bitch ain't dead yet and that she out there alive somewhere and that I just love my wife and I, I gotta kill them soups if I'm gonna get back. So we, we're really starting to get stuff hitting the fan here. You know, we're starting to really find out what's going on. Meanwhile, Mesmer, this this mind can this guy who can read minds gets involved because they're like, we got to find out what's going on with this Asian woman, with the female. She can't talk. How did she get powers? So they get this mind reader played by Haley Joel Osmond to try to read her mind. The voice of Haley Joel Osmond Hearts. Oh, yeah, also Sora from Kingdom Hearts. So, you know, he knows about light and darkness and all of that. But then Mesmer betrays them immediately to Homelander, gives Homelander the picture of all the boys. Now the heroes know that there's this ragtag group out to get them and that they're the guys who killed Translucent. So they want them bad. Episode seven is when all the shit hits the fan. All right, the, 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 the heroes now, the quote-unquote heroes, the seven, now knows about the boys. Uh, they confront, uh, Homelander confronts Starlight with a picture of Huey, and it's all like, oh, this is your boyfriend. Like, he's in the middle of all this. You're betraying us, blah, blah, blah. So now everybody knows the boys' identity. They are extremely wanted. The superheroes are after them. The boys have to go into hiding. Their family is in danger. But... Billy Butcher makes a deal with the CIA. He turns in all the info they've gotten on Voight, and they're going to give the FBI, the CIA, this rock-solid shut-in-case case that they figured out already in exchange for protection for their families and immunity. CIA's all like, we're in. Then the CIA finds out that they're superhero terrorists. The CIA is out. They betray Billy Butcher and the boys are just like, hey, well, what do you want us to do? They're superhero terrorists. We got to depend on the superhero good guys or else pff, world's done for. World's kapooey. Final episode, Billy Butcher and Huey break up when Huey finds out that Billy Butcher's not going to go save the, the other boys, that he just cares about himself and his mission. So Huey goes to save the boys, gets a little assist from Starlight. Everything's good on that level. Meanwhile, Billy Butcher... Gets his hand on that Madeline Stillwell. He knows that, oh, oh, she's the one that Homelander loves, that he's the one, she's the one that he cares about, that she's the one that he x-rays his vision through walls to watch her breast pump when she's trying to feed her child. So Billy Butcher gets Stillwell hostage. Homelander comes. Homelander kills Stillwell because he doesn't give a shit. Homewell, home, uh, ah, Homelander reveals to Billy Butcher that Billy Butcher's wife is still alive and is raising Homelander's child. Noah, did I hit everything? Do you have any big, big, yeah, big I mean, assignments? Pretty apt summary. I'd say the one thing, you know, we didn't touch on that much was that all throughout the show, Huey and Starlight are building this relationship and Huey's kind of playing some espionage on her, using her to get information, to, to yep. blackmail other members of the Seven. And this is all unbeknownst to her. So there's some, there's a trust that breaks. There's a big liar reveal. And then he apologizes. And that's why she ends up helping him in the last episode, as you said. And I think all of that, if we're going to jump into what we liked about the show, uh, was done well. I liked the Huey and Starlight relationship. 
throughout it all. I, I know yeah. it's cheesy and cliche to do the big liar reveal thing, but hey, man, I think those actors. It's a little last of the Mohegany. Yeah, and you know you could you could name that classic Avatar storyline, Pocahontas, all that. You know what I yeah, mean? A Bug's Life, even. <laughs> it's, it, yep, you, yeah. you've been one of them the whole time. You know. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah but no, we're so so we're gonna get more. Uh, you know, my summary was very compacted because I started it earlier and it started going three hours and I was only on episode one still. So um, we're gonna yeah, kind of give you more light as we talk. We did have to cut that out. So talking about things we like, uh, with the, with the, we'll start with Star, Starlight and Huey. So, so as Noah kind of alluded to, in the very first episode, Huey and Starlight meet each other on a park bench, which is... Which I did not. Say. That was a bad yes, way to have characters meet. That is Yes, dumb. especially in New York City and Central Park. No one sits next to each other in Central Park, let alone is like, you want to be friends now? But when's the last uh, time you sat on a bench with somebody already on it? <laughs> like, no way. Yeah, let alone start talking to them. I'd rather stand <laughs> exactly. on a bus than sit down next to somebody. That's common sense, you know? But um, yeah, so, so Huey and, and Starlight kind of meet in the first episode when both of them are at a low point. Starlight just found out that the seven isn't what she thought it was. And, and you know, she just got finished being sexually assaulted by the deep and Huey just had his girlfriend died and both of them are at very low points. They have a nice conversation and they really hit it off, you know? And then, yeah. um, and then they run into each other next time at the, uh, at the race, which you the race. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they have a, they have a discuss, you know, uh, uh, a train, the speedster for the seven has this big publicity, publicity stunt, this race against this other speed hero and Huey and the boys are there uh, investigating, and him and Starlight run into each other again. And that's really where their relationship starts. They make a date to go, or they exchange numbers, and they say they're going to get food together sometime. And they end up having a really great scene where they bowl together. And it's funny because Starlight's pretending to be a bad bowler because she's self-conscious about ups, uh, you know, standing up this boy she just met. Everybody tells her he doesn't but, you know, it away, and it, it, it goes well. I, 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 I bought it. Yeah, and the Huey and, 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 you know, as we said, this isn't a, an original concept, you know, all the, they, they, you know, uh, Huey, Huey and, and Starlight meet, Huey and Starlight date, Huey begins being influenced by Billy Butcher to use Starlight, then at the end, Starlight finds out, oh, it was all fate, you know, it's the old, oh, you, yeah. you asked me out because of a bet storyline pretty, pretty, so, sure pretty sure the disney channel did that in literally every show <laughs> i think they yeah yeah but but you know it's, it's handled really well because you know if you're starlight in this world if you're a superhero you do got to be very worried about people taking advantage of you you know sure. what i mean it all, and, and it, all, it all works out in the end uh and yeah writing wise plot wise because because huey you know he does have some very legitimate conflictions. And they also add in this little storytelling device where when Huey's with Starlight and he's trying to have a good time, he keeps seeing images of his dead ex-girlfriend. And, you know, it really, you know, drives home the guilt he feels. Is he moving on too fast? Is, he, is it wrong of him to move on with, with a woman that uh, is a superhero that's a member of the Seven, you know? I really like how he's also torn up by his, you know, decisions and actions he's made being a part of the boys, like killing Translucent. When she, when she hits the pins with her, with her bowling ball, he hears the bomb go off again, and, like, it, suddenly he's there. Yeah. You know, I like that PTSD stuff. And, and you know, now, now I think originally I wanted to do this this whole part of the the podcast by talking about the good of the boys and then the bad, 
and then get into the main event, which is Homelander. But I think what we're going to do instead is kind of bounce back and forth between the good and the bad before getting to our king, which is uh, Murder Superman. And, and to start with some bad is, is let's establish the crew. Who is the boys, you know? The boys is Huey, our main character, who's fine. You know, he's nameless or faceless protagonist number three. You know, he, he's very bland, just this nice, normal, nerdy, geeky. Your basic movie. Peter Parker ripoff, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And then our, our number two of the boys is the bane of my existence. It's <laughs> Billy Butcher. Billy Butcher, he's played by um, Jeremy Urban, something I Urban. I don't know the actor's name. Keith Urban, something Urban. I mean, this guy, he's a handsome dude, right? We can, we can start with that. I mean, LD's secure enough of his masculinity to, to acknowledge that, that Billy Butcher's supposed to be your, your action hero lead machismo guy. Carl My Urban. problem is that... I'm sorry? Carl Urban, by the way. Carl Urban, there you go. My issue, though, with Billy Butcher is they turn that up to a 1,000 and not in an entertaining way. LD loves something that's heavy-handed. He loves something that's right on the nose so much that it pierces your nostril. But at the same time, every single line from Billy Butcher is just him going, all right, listen here, you little cunt bag. We're going to go over to, the, to Seven Tower and we're going to scale it and we're going to take them soups and we're going to shove it so hard up the bunghole that they're going to cry until they don't know what you're chapping doing to them. You're fucking right. I don't need that all the time. That's not funny. It's not well thought out. It isn't entertaining. That man says the word cunt like a hundred times. And LD doesn't care because he's offended by the word cunt. LD, L LD does not have, LD's not an 80-year-old woman. He's not clutching his pearls. But like, it, it's supposed to be funny and it isn't. He calls translucent that invisible cunt a hundred times. It this, isn't. I, I'd argue too, Billy Butcher, and I, I could even say this somewhat about the whole show, and we can get into the tone of the show later, but Billy Butcher kind of exemplifies the tone. It feels so immature sometimes. Like yeah. Like a 14-year-old wrote it, you know? That's a great point. Billy Butcher's written like 14-year-old. 13 year old me wrote him on on the back of a bus and it's like yeah yeah and, and, he, and he's always like threatening to beat people up yeah yeah and then and whenever and something bad happens he says, yeah. all right fuck off you 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 cunt bastard you bunghole that's all he says that's everyone out of billy butcher's mouth i'm sorry but if you think billy butcher's cool you're kind of a child not even kind of and i, and I thought of this last night and i didn't mention this to noah because I knew that he'd be fired up about this. LD, LD is a man of habit. He's a man of pattern. And one pattern of LD's life is that he loves, LD loves a sad character who loved somebody and he had his heart broken and he can't give up on that and he can't move on. And that is all Billy Butcher is. Billy Butcher's whole character is, oh, for the last eight years, I've been running into a brick wall over and over again because my wife's gone and I can't get over it. Do you know how bad of a character you have to be for LD to not like you when you just want to uh, find your dead loved wife that, that you miss? LD loves Jay Gatsby. LD. LD will die. For any character who's like, I just can't move on. This, this hurts my heart. And I, that is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> and that is 
all that Billy Butcher is, and he's so goddamn terrible that I don't just dislike, I hate his guts. Anybody who tells me they love the boys, the first words out of my mouth are even Billy Butcher. And, and he'll, he'll wage war with people over it. And this man was designed for LD to love him. This is insane. This would be like if the, the Seven had a superhero who drove with his knees and I hated that guy. You know, this, this Billy Butcher, this Billy Butcher guy's terrible. <laughs> and, and, and beyond his dialogue and all of that, they just give, like, this guy's, like, like signature move is to have a shitty plan that, that shouldn't even work in a cartoon. And everyone else is like, Billy, this plan stinks. And he's like, all right, why don't you shut up? All right, a plan. All right, boys, how are we going to get into Seven Tower? All right, I got a plan. I'm going to put on a pizzeria hat. I'm going to knock on the door, and I'm going to say, all right, chums, pizza delivery from Homeland, and it's a whole lot of bollocks, and then a big explosion happens, and we all walk in. How's that sound? That's what Billy Butcher does. Billy Butcher just suggests cliche solutions from 80s TV shows to the gang. And they're always like, Billy, your answer for how are we going to kill Superman can't be with a pistol. Like, all right, why not? You ain't never seen me shoot a pistol before. I'm Billy Butcher and I'm tough, damn it. Go ahead, Noah. Give us some thoughts. Am I wrong on any of that? Well, I was just going to say this. I, I agree with all of that. But the one thing I, I do want to highlight is that this is a critique of the character and how he is written. I think the performance is fine. It's, it's, and you were saying this earlier, too. I mean, that he, he gives some good looks. He's good for good, Carl Urban. He's a good looking man. And the actor. No, no, but I'm saying like the looks he gives. He, he is a decent actor. You are right on that. Yeah, 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 and the looks, but like, there's even sometimes, man, where like the character you were just describing like smolders like all the time, just like eh, like cool action guy look. The all hot the dude. Yeah. That might be due to the direction, but like, as you put earlier, like, what is he supposed to do with those lines? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exact lines you were putting out. That's how I'd do them if I if I were an actor. I mean, that's... this guy can't do anything. He's got nothing to work with. They handed this guy a, a, a tub of Play-Doh and said, build Rome. You know what I mean? Like, right. Uh, right. Um, and, uh, you know, it's so funny, though, because you have so much passionate dissent for, for Billy Butcher. And he's really the only member on the boys where I could feel that strongly about anything because the rest of them don't do anything. They're, like, they're oh, yeah. so useless, I feel like. And if we, you know... Going back to the team, there's there's Frenchie who, as you said, just speaks in a funny, you know, French accent. Frenchie's all, all he does is obsess over the female, which, by the way, not a good name. Um, no, you're from California, right? I am. Yep. Born and you raised. were born and raised there. That's right. Yeah, so, so, needless to say, you know a thing or two about drugs, no? Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, there you go. So, so now let me ask you this as a, as a wild California dude. In the second episode, when we first meet Frenchie, he needs to, like, calm down. So he mixes acid with Molly. And it's just like, oh, uh, uh, like, like at one point, Huey's sitting there and he's all shaken up. And Frenchie's just like, uh, Miamel, take this. It'll calm your nerves. It is just some MDMA mixed with LSD. No, no, what do you think? If you just pop some L LSD mixed with some MDMA, is that, is that a good way to just calm down, relax, to, to pay attention? 
Uh, I'll tell you, I know that is highly regarded as a, it's called a candy flip. Um, and okay. you, do, you do candy flips mainly at, you know, stimulating events like a music concert. Oh! Hmm, not when you're in the middle of Breaking Bad episode two and you've got an invisible superhero chained up and you're trying to figure out solutions to handle this scenario. That no. could easily end in your death. Yeah, That's that not when you're doing it. Maybe some Ambien. <laughs> also, can somebody acknowledge that Noah very begrudgingly said yes when I asked him if he knew about drugs and now he's given me the name Candy Flip? So, well, you know, just... Laying out that California teen vibe for you. I still said yes. Yeah, but begrudgingly you said yes. You didn't know where I was going with it. But yeah, Frenchie's <laughs> just awful. Frenchie, much like Billy Butcher, was written by like a 13-year-old. Frenchie's introduction is terrible. Uh, uh, Huey asks him, like, who are you? What do you do? Are you a, are you a technician? Frenchie goes, I am a gun runner by trade, uh, uh, but I have learned uh, much about everything. Okay, shut the fuck up. Stop trying so hard. Please. To be cool. All he's missing is a pair of sunglasses. Then the fourth member of the boys, we have Huey, we have Frenchie, we've got Billy Butcher. I think his name fourth is, guy is just Mother's Milk. What? Mother's Milk. Mother's Milk, yeah, that's right. You thought his name was Marvin, at least that's a name. I think his, I think his wife calls him Marvin at one point. <laughs> oh, good, I didn't know what his name, there's a moment... <laughs> There's a moment where Huey goes, is your name Mother's Milk? And Mother's Milk goes, oh, yeah, that's what my mom named me. Ha ha. But then no one ever acknowledges that, that like, hey, that's a fucking stupid name. That's a dumb code name. That's a dumb nickname. No one acknowledges. I mean, I guess he needed a code name, so maybe I'm just an idiot. But, like, the rest of the day, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's named Mother's Milk. Hey, yo, Mother's Milk. What the? That is... And worst of all, I can't tell you a goddamn thing about Mother's Milk. I can't tell you what strengths are, what his weaknesses are. He's uh, a, he, he's, his wife, LD. He loves his he wife. loves his wife, oh, and he's a correctional officer. But besides that, why is he in the team? Right. You know, Hugh's like the, the tech guy. Billy Butcher's the asshole and the leader. Frenchie can do everything, seemingly. But, but he's really like kind of the, the engineer, I suppose. I don't know what Mother's Milk does. Mother's Milk gets angry sometimes. There yeah. you go. Yeah, he made a PowerPoint presentation once. I, about Compound V. I forgot that he did. Yeah. I, I didn't know that he, that he did that, to be honest. But, yeah, he's just but now, weird. That's the big problem with him, man. Like, he doesn't add or do or say anything, man. I feel like every time we no, see him, he's, he's just doing nothing. <laughs> And now I have a lot of, of things I like about the show written down. So this isn't going to turn into a, a shit-all dumping of, of the boys. But I do want to get to another negative because it's fresh on my mind right now. And I'll say this along with how horrible Billy Butcher and the boys actually are is, is my, main, my main issues. That's it. This show, this show is like terrible at like deep, serious stuff. And it thinks it's good at it. You know, like, like, like Starlight goes to believe fest yeah believe expo i'm sorry and the whole point of starlight going to the believe expo is like are religious people bad sometimes yeah man this isn't like the 1970s when priests in boston were diddling kids and everyone had their heads in the sand yep we know that it's another big issue i have this with the show too the the believe expo and the and the the reveal of like christians it's like, yeah, yeah, we've known this. Christians know this. Yeah. Every point she brings up in that speech, most Christians will admit to and be like, yep, still religious. Like, yeah, no, and like, didn't do anything and that's, that big of a deal. 
you know, the show will, will be like, you know, it'll take like the golden rule you learn in kindergarten, like treat others the way you want to be treated, but then pat itself on the back like it just discovered the meaning of life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like that's, like that's part of its immaturity. That's, I, I think that's, that's part of what makes it so amateur in a lot of respects. Yeah, you're right. Like, like man, do, you know, I think they handled the, the deep sexual assault of um, Starlight very well. You know, I, I didn't like how that scene started because it began with him trying to pressure her very flimsily. Like, like it's, it's, as you know, Starlight just joined the seven. It's like her first day there. She, she comes into the meeting room, the deeps there. She's, she's, you know, excited to meet him. They, they make normal hero small talk, like everything's good. And then when, when Starlight mentions that she had a poster of the deep growing up and a little crush on him, the dude drops his pants. Which, which this is the big explanation point moment that these heroes are bad. So I, like that part in and of itself is fine. But then when he starts trying to force himself on her, he starts very lamely by being like, um, I'm Homelander's right-hand man. I'm number two here. What if I tell him? And then when she cracks some TVs with her light-based powers, things, things get very real as, as um, the deep goes, oh, wow. Wait, look at this damage in the room. What if I? the trusted and known entity that is the deep tells the public that little miss starlight from Iowa can't handle her emotions and attacked me. And that I thought was, was done very well because that is, you know, sort of the Harvey Weinstein type setup of a powerful man uses the goodwill he's built up with the public against an unknown woman. But then in the second half of the season, they tried doing this thing where the deep goes to Sandusky, Ohio, which is funny. But then he gets sexually assaulted by a girl. And the way they do the scene of the deep getting sexually assaulted, it's like this big, that's right, people. I know this is going to shock you, but sexual assault is bad. That's like the way they try to show it to us. As if we didn't know. As if I needed to see the, the deep getting his gills forcibly fingered to be like, wait a minute, mounting somebody and doing things to them physically and sexually that they don't want is wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I already knew that. You know, at the very least, don't act like you're, you're, you're unveiling this grand secret to the world, you know? Yeah, completely agree. It's, and it's, that's riddled throughout the entire show, not just with the sexual assault, but like, you know, we were saying earlier, the Believe Expo, they, they come out and Starlight does the same thing. It's like, wait a minute, there's some things about Christianity that are wrong. Yeah, thanks for the update, the boys, we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe, and so we haven't brought this up yet, and, and maybe, maybe this is a good transition to what we like about the show, because I feel like we've 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 really dug into it and it's like you said we've we there is stuff we like about it um the believe expo along with the race and along with some of the other big events in the show like the seven tower it's a cool world man and i think a lot of that is in credit to and i don't know this for sure because i haven't checked it out but it is based off a comic book you know there's source material that goes with this and I think a big strength of the show is that the world is so cool. I buy it so much that it makes me want to check out the source material. I want to see how that's written. And if the, if the kind of irreverent, you know, angsty nature comes off better in a comic book rather than in a, in a show, because 
maybe in the comic book, the, the angsty, irreverent nature, it feels more intentional than it does like passionately real, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. No, I, I can see that. And, and you are right that, that they definitely handle a world with superheroes well, and they really handle the business of vault well, where like the, the industry of it all, like that, that race between A-Train and I forget the, the other speed. I think it is. What is it? Shockwave, I think. Shockwave. The race between them, that is the sort of publicity stunt, you know, entertainment, you know, thing that they would do in real life to, to kind of draw up interest. And, and they do handle that sort of, the, the connection of it all well. I know you don't like it when uh, Starlight teams up with the Deep at one point and Starlight is, uh, fights some crime and then is horrified to see all like the social media interns like spring up out of nowhere. Like this one woman is filming Starlight and goes, go over to that body and say, it's lit. And like, that is cringy in terms of trying to be funny to us. But I think that is so, that, that, that level of cringe, that is what these people would be doing. There yep. would be some asshole who's like, now I know you're trying to fight crime right now, but what's the best way for us to brand that crime fighting? Put it up on social. Yeah. And I, I'd say I'd say a bigger issue with that scene, like I, I like the content, but I think the big issue with that for me is I just don't like that the assistant woman, the, oh yeah, what her name, the, the, the redhead who's, who's mean to Starlight. And there's even some weird consistency with her where she, she's a jerk to Starlight the entire show. And the last scene she has where she gets fired, she tells Starlight, oh, at least I don't have to suck up to you anymore. Just made me think, yeah, that <laughs> you never did. You were such yeah, a Yeah, when was that? What? Um, something something else I love about the show, and I think it's going to tie in well uh, with, with two of our favorite scenes, is the campiness in the show is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And, and like, the, the, the camp and the, the, um, the tropes are so good. This show is such a good spoof. Like, like, like when, when Homelander, whenever he is in a mode where he's pretending to be a good guy and not an evil abomination of a person, it's phenomenal. You know, like I, I said, when we were talking about... It's not made clear to you yet, too. LD loves tropes and cliches, like loves them to death. Yes. And can't be. LD loves cliches and tropes. And Homelander, Homelander, every time, you know, that he saves, or that he, like, shows up where the police are, and he hits that, oh, no, stop. You guys, you're the heroes. Is uh, There's a moment where he lands in Afghanistan, when they are about to raid a terrorist hideout and he looks at the troops and he says, no, please, you guys, you're the heroes before he flies them to save the day. And that's so good. And, yeah, and like, I think that's a, I think that's a good pivot too, because the, 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 the strongest element of this show, as we've said already is by far Homelander. Homelander's amazing. And he's involved in our two favorite scenes that, that, that we had to bring up. And, and we're actually going to have a heavy debate on one of these scenes. There's actually a second debate that I've hidden from Noah that he does not know about. But um, that scene when him and Queen Maeve have to save that airplane, I think it's Flight 37, uh, basically Mad Madeline Stilwell gets this, this alert that, that a plane has been hijacked. It's over the Atlantic Ocean. So since it's over the Atlantic Ocean, it's in international waters, they can send heroes in to do something without causing, you know, an international incident. If it happened in England, for instance, and they sent in Homelander, could be seen as some sort of invasion, you know, it's not his jurisdiction. That's right. And this is when they're really trying to push this, 
super goes into the military bill that they've got going in Congress. So Madeline Stillwell's all like, this is going to be great. We're going to send you in Homelander. We're going to send you in with Queen Maeve. We're going to stop this, this plane that's been hijacked. We're going to be able to say, who else but superheroes could do this? You know? Who else? So Homelander gets on the plane. He kills a couple terrorists. One terrorist kills the last pilot, and Homelander kills him with his eye beams, and it destroys all the equipment in the cockpit. Now this plane, while all the terrorists are dead, is out of control. And man, is this where things, in the show in general, really gets good, man. Because Queen Maeve is trying to desperately come up with a solution to save these people. And Homelander immediately realizes, well, these people are all dead. Oh, I'm not going to hold not like care less at all. Yeah, he could not. He immediately is worried about getting out of there. Like, like Queen Maeve starts thinking. She says to Homelander, "Like, what if you, what if you hold the plane up?" And Homelander goes, "What am I going to stand on? It's just air out there." And she's like, "Well, you could fly at it and ram it." And he's like, "I'd either knock this thing head over tail and it'll just crash even harder, or I'll go right through it." I can't do that. She goes, okay, just start taking the people one by one. Like, like we got to get, and, and Omelander goes, oh, I'm just going to fly each of these people, fly from this plane to the ground 123 times before it crashes and everything's just going to be okay. So Omelander starts heading to the exit and he gives to them and people start going, wait, are you, are you leaving? And Omelander goes, no, no, stop, stop. He's heading outside, taking a quick peek. And he's saying to Maeve, like, come on, Maeve, like, we, we got to get you out of here. We, we got to go. So Queen Maeve latches onto this little girl and her mom who are on the plane, who was cheering on Queen Maeve earlier. She says to Homelander, what about just these people? What if we just save this little girl who's going to die? And Homelander goes, oh, what? So she can tell everyone how we didn't save everyone else? That is phenomenal. And the Homelander, great Homelander is the most selfish man in the world. Throughout all of season one, he is horribly jealous of a literal baby for the attention it gets from its mother. And like Homelander to think that way, it's so good. And it's the level of thinking that, you know, you're not gonna see in an Iron Man movie just because they can't be that meta, you know what I mean? But Homelander allowing women and children to die so that his reputation isn't damaged, mwah, just and, a chef's kiss. And for me, I think what sets him apart from the rest of the characters on the show, and I, this, this is like the most mature the show feels to me, is that when, you know, when, when he's doing what Homelander does, there's never, ever, there's never a big monologue or conversation about why he does what he does or why, how he struggles the way he does. We just see his oddities and like his, his complexities just as they are. There's nothing explained about him. And it just, it feels really mysterious and intriguing. And he performs it really well. He's, he's a great actor, uh, you know, whoever plays Homelander. I think he's the strongest on the show. And Definitely. I think Homelander's his, the best writing, actor on the show. His writing feels yeah. really subtle is all. Every other actor, like A-Train and Huey, they've all got these big speeches where they talk about why they are the way they are. And, and, Every oh, word out of A-Train's mouth is, I'm the fastest man alive, baby. Yep, exactly. Homelander just is evil. <laughs> like, it's he's, yeah. he's horrifying. And the, and the reason why is because there's so much we don't know about him. Mm -hmm. And as far as we know, the only, like, 
And that's what's also cool. It's kind of those questions and those things that you have to kind of fill in yourself. The only reason why we know he's so evil is because he has no humanity because of how powerful he is, you know? Right, right, right. right. And so you could argue. And I agree with. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go. You go. Finish your thought. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, I, uh, I, you know, you could make an argument that Homelander uh, doesn't have one of those big monologues because he doesn't have humanity. But in, in, in my opinion, I, I just think the way they handle his character and, and show that he just is the way that he is, is, is the strongest element in the show by far. Um, yeah. And just, and then after that plane accident, um, there is the whole part where they're on the beach and he turns his own failure into a positive by pretending like he wasn't there for that plane crash and that he had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? Right. 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 Um, and he uses that as a speech, you know, why, why don't we have this power? Why can't we, why can't we be in the military? You know what I mean? And, and that becomes almost the catalyst of, of getting that, that bill passed that they, they put up to Congress. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, he does, he, he can, he can make the switch so well where it's like, ah, oh, I believe that he cares, but I know that he doesn't, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then there's that great part with um, our other favorite part, Noah, which is the the home scene with Homelander. Do you want to start oh, start yeah, telling yeah, us yeah. a bit about? Yeah. So, and this is another scene that you know LD would obviously very much appreciate because it's just so tropey and so cliche. It's it's Homelander, and it's it's this reality shot show that Vought's trying to get to you know humanize their heroes more. So the Vought Corporation makes this fake house in this fake suburban place that Homelander supposedly grew up in. And they just kind of tell him to ad lib throughout the entire house, talking about all these fake things that he grew up with. Like he walks up to a piano and he says, oh, the old piano. I remember when my mom just, you know, played, played the piano for hours. He goes up to his, he goes up to his bedroom and he sees a baseball and he says, ah, the baseball from the winning game. Let's just say that I won a whole lot, even though I wasn't allowed to like really show my powers. But there's when, this when great woman in that scene where he sees uh, a blanket on his bed and he breaks, he breaks, you know, character for just a second. And he freaks out at whoever put the blanket there saying like, you know, that's not accurate. This isn't an actual blanket that I used for And it, it, it just goes to, it's, it's another, it plays to another one of his strengths where he's just this unpredictable guy that we don't know anything actually about. You know, it makes you question, why does he care so much about this and not other things? Like what is going on in his brain? And, and what's funny too is that his unpredictability causes such fear because of his power, obviously. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. There's just a, a lot to unpack with him, a lot more than any other character on the show. And that's why I really appreciate him. And he's a great actor. And, and as great of an actor as he is, um, I would be the best, I myself, LD, would be the best Homelander this world could ever seen. And obviously I don't mean in real life because I'm a man with a heart of gold who would only ever do the right thing. But if I got to play, like, honestly, I'd rather play Homelander than any other part in Hollywood history. I would have done that scene where he walks around his house re fake reminiscing for 15 minutes. When he walks into his bedroom, he goes, oh, yeah, may as well call this the, uh, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Because <laughs> he, he's got, like, the pictures and the trophies everywhere. It's, it's just so good, man. And, and Homelander yeah. really is the linchpin that brings this whole, the whole show together, in my mind.
I agree. And, um, and so what I wanted that, to talk about, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm probably going to say the same thing as you. With, with that, it's, it, it's good to pivot into, you know, what we might want out of season two, which drops mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yes, especially with the way season one ended because season one um like i said as somebody who did not necessarily love the show the show definitely gets better and better as it goes and and the end of season one is one of the better I, honestly one of the better I, I don't know if i want to just say cliff i guess it's, it's kind of a cliffhanger but more importantly like the ending of season one of the boys was the, one of the more like oh my god i gotta find out what happens next type of endings I've seen in, in years. And once again, LD being somebody who wasn't in love with the boys to have seen that ending and been like, oh my God, I, I wish the, the next season was just here already. It's pretty impressive, you know? I agree. And one thing so what, I left what, out of the summary is that, uh, you know, the, the woman who runs Madeline, uh, she, Homelander kills her. Yeah, we're getting, we, I was going to say um, that that's a big, before we, you know, before we talk season two, let, let's just talk about that for a minute. Should the, what do we think of the decision by the show to kill Madeline still? I mean, you know, I imagine that's in the source material, so they probably didn't have an option. But what do you think of the narrative choice to kill Madeline Stillwell? Here's my take. I thought she was a very interesting character, one of the highlights of the show that we didn't uh, exactly get to, but the, just, the, just the way she ran the superhero division of her company felt felt very realistic. Uh, it was very interesting to watch. It was cool to see, uh, to get a window into that side of things. Um, I think that's, that's one of the special things about the show is the, you know, is the inside corporate look at all these, at all these superhero decisions and dealings. And she was kind of the it's head of that. Um, so killing her, I think, and having her, and having her talk, uh, talk about how she's terrified of Homelander and then Homelander just, just killing her like that. You know, she was, being being a highlight, I just hope they have something really cool planned. Not to necessarily replace her, but to give that a little bit more justice. Because as it stands now, I'm sort of wondering why they would do that when it was such a strong element of the show. I'm sure the writers and the creators knew that. And so I, I just hope they have a good direction to take it. Yeah, I uh, so... so in the final episode of season one, her boss gets revealed who is played by Gus Fering. Um, That's right. John Carlo. Uh, what's his last name? Uh, I'm not sure. You, okay. Not sure. Old Gus Fering. That's all you need to know. But he, um, he, he gets revealed as, as Madeline Stillwell's boss and like the head of the whole company. And at this party in the last episode, he tells Madeline, like, start getting ready. You're going to be taking my job soon enough. Ha ha ha. And she's thrilled by this. Then at the end of the episode, uh, she's being held hostage against Homelander by Billy Butcher. And, uh, you know, uh, Homelander has been trying to get answers about Becca, Billy Butcher's wife, about, about why she's missing, you know, his involvement with it and all this and that. And he finds out that Madeline's been lying to him. And he demands that Madeline lie to him no more. And at one point he asks Madeline who she loves more between him and Madeline's baby child, her son, who's less than a year old. And Madeline starts saying Homelander. And then she finally reveals, being honest with him, that she doesn't really like love him. She's just horrified of him, terrified by his presence. And Homelander's thrilled that she's finally honest with him. Seemingly, he's known this the whole time. Uh, and he just melts her. He just melts her head with his uh, laser beam eyes to prove a point to Billy Butcher that he can't be stopped, that you can't use anything against him. 
And this is a phenomenal show-stopping end to season one. But I do agree with you, Noah, that I thought Madeline was the most exciting and interesting character to me. She was the most unique. Uh, she had a lot of backstory while also still having a lot of mystery. And as excited as I was to see her die from a standpoint of it being a thrilling ending, and she's a great uh, antagonist. You know, she, she's just horrible throughout season one. Absolutely. There is that level, though, of, of I agree with you that I was really, really excited to see what she was going to do in the second season. She's the sort of character that I get horrified uh, at watching acquire and build power. So uh, she's, she's a fantastic antagonist in that sense. But I really have to imagine that they're going to pivot more into Homelander, into her boss, Mr. Gustavo Fering. Yeah. And in the trailers for season two, there seems to be some new ultra-strong female soup who, who opposes Homelander to some level or extent while also being extremely evil. I think you're um, right. Some, prob- someone's going to get a leash back on Homelander cause, because yeah, they didn't have a leash. You know, that's, that's too early for season two, I think, if they want this to have some longevity. Mm-hmm. And then um, season two. So what do we think uh, we're going to see coming into season two? Do we have predictions? Do we have expectations? Yeah, well, I mean... I, I don't really have any predictions, to be honest. I'm, I, I just have more of uh, something interesting I, I think I'd want to see. I, this it, It's really a show that could go anywhere. I could see really anything happening. But also at the same time, it's probably going to follow some pretty already in place structures of a superhero plot. Oh, yeah, I, I, have, I have a guess. I reveal. Wait for a guess? Yeah, hit me. This is a purely trope-based guess, people. Right. Based on this show and based on shows I've seen before, in season two, some other hot girl that's out of Huey's league is going to be interested in Huey. And Huey's not going to necessarily be interested in her back, but him and this girl are going to be in a couple compromising positions. And the next thing you know, old Starlight's going to be like, oh, like she's going to, she's going to be the jealous one. Huh? If they what? go, if they go the tropey route. Absolutely, that'll that will be it. Tell me, tell me, you can't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Flashlight Junior, some new hot girl on the block, being like, "Oh, you're cool because you're a wimpy guy." And then, and then fucking Starlight's gonna be all like, "Huh?" And then at the end, we're gonna find out that the new girl that pretended to be interested in Huey was actually evil. A bad guy for sure. Yeah, I, I, bada boom, bada bing. Absolutely see it doing that. One hundred percent. Just laid that all out for you. Something, something I think would be interesting to see in season two, as we, as we said earlier, everybody in this world, supposedly from season one, it looks like, is just absolutely obsessed with superheroes. Nobody gives them any fucking shit. There's even this AA meeting, it, it, like su- superhero support group where your lives have been affected by superheroes. Where everyone yeah, like a collateral damage group. Yeah, I some, think. some guy got his his fucking dick frozen off by a superhero, and even he can't bring himself to be angry. And I just yeah. think it's kind of ridiculous, in in my opinion. I what I want to see from season two, and I and I what I think would really fit is some sort of counterculture, a big group of people Ooh. who do not buy this stuff at all. Who That'd think, be great. Think Vought sucks, who, fit, who think like Homelander, they're like, oh, that's all garbage. That's all fake. Why would you do that? Because 
and especially it would be so fitting nowadays with what was superhero fatigue and everything people are you know jumping mm -hmm. off the marvel train left and right so it'd be cool to see that represented in the show i think that would be that that's actually a fantastic idea and i, I agree that'd be great that's something i didn't even think about um there was something that i wanted to touch on uh, that I just kind of thought about real quick that, that takes back a little bit to a summary aspect, but I, I do think it ties in with, with the second season is throughout season one, Billy Butcher is compiling all this evidence and stuff, and he has this girl at the CIA who he knows, who naturally he only ever talks to by being like, Oi, cunty, what, you ain't gonna help me here? Come on, that's bullocks. But he's trying to get the CIA's help. They finally get the CIA's help at the end of the uh, second to last episode of season one, episode seven. It looks like Madeline Stilwell and Voight's going to be dead to rights. But then it is discovered that the terrorists have what is only called and described a soup terrorist, which just sounds like the most 2003 thing I've ever heard, like post 9-11, post Toby Maguire, Spider-Man, some movie. What if there were superheroes, but also super terrorists coming this October? You know what I mean? But, you know, that's the big, basically that's what happens is because of the existence of these super terrorists, uh, the CIA has to depend on Voight to, to fight the super terrorists because the troops can't just fight superheroes, you know? So seemingly, Voights has, has the government by the balls because they're going to need them and their superheroes to, to fight, you know, fight super with super. So I could definitely see in season two that being kind of that loose thread. We found out that uh, Homelander himself, not Voight, was the one who gave the, the evil people and the terrorists these uh, uh, samples of Compound V because he knew that at a certain point that, that they'd need super baddies to fight to, to kind of maintain the need for their existence. So I definitely think there's going to be a level of uh, Voight themselves kind of investigating how the evil guys got uh, uh, their hands on this, this product. And, and maybe Homelander is going to be getting, you know, kind of, kind of have all sides coming for him, both the boys, Voight themselves and maybe a, a portion of the CIA or the public and his main ally is going to be this new superhero girl that we see in the trailer. Yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty apt. If I've learned anything from watching many TV shows is that they always try and go bigger in season two. I think superhero terrorists is like the exact direction you would think of if you're in the writer's room. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to, I do want to end this on, on, on uh, somewhat of a positive note. It's, I'm, even though there's stuff we really don't like about it, like Billy Butcher, but overall we'll watch it. It's because it, and this is what everybody says about it. It, it is a superhero show that doesn't do the typical superhero thing. And like, even if it's not executed the best all the time, it's still different. You know, it's not, it's not the flash. It's not green arrow, which I'm sure those shows are fine, but like, it, it, this is a different perspective on the superhero genre. And so for that, I really do appreciate it. I'm glad the source was turned into a TV show. And I do want to check out the source because that is an interesting idea. You know, the, the, the best thing we like about it, apart from Homelander, is the idea, is the world. All right, people. And now I have two debates to spring on to Noah and a recommendation on top of the boys. So if you're still with us now, uh, you're going to get a little bit of a treat here. 
So Noah, number one, this debate you knew was coming. Our favorite scene is when airline 37 goes down. Me and you had a debate the other day. LD, Stop. what? No, okay, so LD, LD pointed out that Queen Maeve, kind of selfish. The only, like, she's like, oh please, Homelander, can't we just save this mother and daughter from this plane going down? And then Homelander's like, oh yeah, so what? They can tell everybody else, you're out of your mind. The reason why Queen Maeve picked that mother and daughter was because they cheered for her when she first got on the plane. It's that is selfish. That's not why. That is so. It's not why. So Noah is arguing to me. Noah, go ahead. Present your argument. Just why do you think she saved them? Because it was a mother and a child that was like directly in her eyesight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Now he's saying directly in your eyesight. What did you <laughs> tell me before, Noah? <laughs> you told me they were the only mother and daughter on that plane. That is what you told me. You sounded like some sort of man from the 1930s getting taken through a time machine who's never flown on a plane before. In the following episode, Noah, you people can't see this, he's squirming right now. And by squirming, I mean mostly laughing, but he knows that I have him. <laughs> In the following episode, Noah, the news says 123 men, women, and children died in that plane crash. They did not say 121 men, exactly one woman and one child on that plane crash so are you trying to tell me out of the 123 people on that plane that was the only mother and, and child i said on the entire plane child which negates the women argument the children argument i can't argue but the scene we saw and the scene that mave was in it was the only yeah. child hmm? viewers tell me vote in the <laughs> wait, 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 comment what below what would you rather happen did Does you know it sound like a man who's never flown on an airplane before no what did it, did, I've flown on many airplanes. It, 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 I don't think so. Want Maeve to like walk by them and say, oh, not you, and find another no, child? No, she could have been like, come on, Homelander, at least a couple people. Like, we can, we can grab a snag a few of these people. You know what I mean? She could have been a little more vague. It, dude, if I was on that plane and Queen Maeve walked right by me and said, like, Homelander, at least these two, I would have been like, oh, oh, thanks, Maeve. So old LD's life doesn't count? Huh. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. I think most of the people on the plane were like that. And yeah, you could argue that's selfish, but also she was desperate to save at least somebody. No, no. Either, you, you know what? Fine. Now that, because that is a complaint that I have. It's like, you know, you certainly, saving some people certainly is better than saving no one. Because that's Homelander's whole argument is like, well, <laughs> either, either all of them or none of them. But, but at the same time, I'm just saying, if I was one of those people, I would have been like, oh, yeah, oh, Queen Maeve. Also, since I didn't know your theme song when you came onto the plane, you know, Baba Booey, Baba Booey. But now this one, also, shame on me for saying Baba Booey, Baba Booey. My version of that is saying Bugatti Shubati, so that's what I should have said. But right. now, no, this second debate, you did not know. This one is being sprung on you. Are you ready for this? Yeah, hit me. You are wrong. Simon Pegg, who plays Huey's dad. Huey's dad's great. I am team Huey's dad. Tell me why you think Huey's I dad stinks. Up. I didn't even bring this up today. No, but you, yeah, not today, not even recently, but you said it once. Now go ahead. Explain your diehard opinion you mentioned that one <laughs> oh time. Go on. All I said was what that I do Simon Pegg is a beloved- fake gaslighting we referenced before. That's right. Simon Pegg is a beloved, I don't know why, 
give into it, but <laughs> Simon Pegg well, is a beloved and well-known comedy actor. He is mm-hmm. not funny in The Boys. Not only is he not funny, he's not dramatic. He's not, he, he doesn't, he doesn't. A little dramatic. That could have been anyone. I don't understand why, like, they probably had, to, like, Simon Pegg, probably the biggest name on the show, to be honest. They're definitely the biggest name on the show. But, but I'm talking the character, not even the acting. And I think you don't like the character more than, than the acting. So that's no, why I thought this I argument. Like the character in the sense that you're not supposed to like the character. You know? No, you're wrong. You're wrong. I'm not wrong. I'm giving my opinion. How can I be your, wrong? Your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Do you not remember when A Train holds him hostage yeah, from Huey? Yeah. And when Huey's all like, "Dad, get out of here!" Like, I'll I'll take care of it. Huey's dad stands up for a moment. He, for one second, he goes like, no, son, I'm not going anywhere. And Huey's like, dad, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, get on out of here. And the dad's like, you're my boy, Huey, you're my boy. I'm not leaving. Oh, he stands up for his boy, and that's enough for me. I love, I would take a bullet for Huey's dad, that very small character from that show I don't even like that much, just because there's that moment when he, oh, no, not my boy, my boy. I'm not letting this mean speed man get his hands on my boy. Oh, it's nice. Doesn't even last? Doesn't he, like... Oh, no, no, he immediately leaves after saying that because right. he insists. But, like, for a, he made a stand for a moment. Come on now. For a moment. No, right, I are think you... it was a waste of potential of, of Simon Pegg. I, you know, like... It, I'm waiting for you to take back your bad opinion about the dad who made that stand that one time. Go ahead. All right, people. Well, at least now I have witnesses that can see that I was being very reasonable. Noah was not being reasonable. All right. All right. Give you give you show recommendation. We got to wrap this up. All right. Jeez, people. Just remember when you wanted a three hour podcast and only got a two hour one that Noah is to blame. (laughs) All right. So here's my big recommendation. LD is famous for pitting things against each other, even when they shouldn't be. Point of, the famous point of reference, I hate the movie A Star is Born simply because of how much I love La La Land, even though those two movies came out in different years or about different things and have nothing to do with one another. Similarly, I think part of the reason why I had some issues with the boys is because I know the better superhero in real life related product. And that is a Japanese manga that is an incredibly popular anime called My Hero Academia. My Hero Academia is currently one of my favorite things going. He's been on about two, two and a half years, two, two three years now. It's, it's fantastic. It is also similarly about a world, much like ours, where superpowers become real. The only difference is that My Hero Academia has such a vast... Uh, uh, difference in size of source material that my hero gets to get so much deeper. All those complaints about how the boys don't do real things well enough and and all that will not be found here. My Hero Academia handles gravitas and gravity better than anything I've ever seen. To be honest, My Hero Academia is the best telling of the hero's journey LD has ever seen. Better than Star Wars, better than Spider-Man, better than all of it. LD thinks that, that My Hero Academia takes somebody being in a position of, of, of weakness and taking a long journey to become a hero that they always imagined better than any other medium that I've ever seen. LD cannot recommend it more highly enough. 
Uh, Noah, do you, as somebody else who's seen My Hero Academia, do you have anything you'd like to add to this? I've watched the show. Uh, I was a little... I, I, I thought the first episode was a bit comical in how much it leaned into the the hero of the hero's journey. He's, he's very sincere. He cries a lot. Um, but it grows on you. Uh, the, the, when you find out how genuine and innocent the sincerity is, it, it, you know, who doesn't need a little bit of that in your life? So I recommend it too, as well. It's a very, it's a very heartfelt, genuine superhero show. There's some, there's some, uh, little racy comedy at, at times involving a specific character. But other than that, I, I really right, don't I, appreciate the show. The show or the show is nowhere near as racy as the boys. So I think you're, you're all going to be fine handling that, but <laughs> uh, all right. I, I think this is going to be uh, wrapping things up. Noah, thank you very much for being uh, my initial guest on my initial podcast. Yeah. Happy to be here. It was fun. To everybody who listened, I hope you enjoyed yourselves. I hope you had a, a sweet and sultry time listening to the smooth stylings of LD. And, uh, you know, I have to tell you that LD's a bit of a perfectionist. Things are only going to get better and go up from here. If you enjoyed this initial episode of the podcast, LD thanks you and he hopes to hear from you again. Next time you know to listen at half volume because he can start yelling at any moment. That is probably true. <laughs>